Hi, friends. Thank you for joining us again for Food for Thought. And this is Sunil Chandy. And uh, this is a ministry out of uh, Christ Epistle Church. And of course, I'm here in the church, the sanctuary. Uh, behind me are the stained glass windows uh, right above the sedalia in which we always uh, that I always stand and look out onto the congregation. And I thought this would be a nice view again to for you all to uh, to enjoy. Uh, I, I always love looking at those same glass windows. It helps me get into a prayerful kind of experience. But if you are here today, um, please do tell us that you're here and help us and say hello. Tell us that you're watching. Uh, today we have, again, another wonderful uh, guest, a, a, a person who has been with us several times throughout this, uh, throughout this COVID-19 situation and, 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 uh, and has given us much insight and wisdom, um, not only this year, but every year because he is our diocesan uh, bishop. Yes, Ben, thank you. Love the setup more than the office. Yeah, we have a little cross in the office that's right above my head or something. And uh, you know, what I really like is, I love the fact that the crucifix is up, or, or the image of Jesus on the cross is above my head. It makes, makes me feel holy. <laughs> anyway, uh, so our, our guest is going to be uh, none other than uh, Bishop Nisley. Namaste, Betsy. Thank you for connecting with us from Philadelphia. Pennsylvania, and uh, we miss you here, but we're glad that you're connecting with us here on, through this uh, ministry. So this this week uh, is, uh, last week was the beginning of Pentecost, the whole season of Pentecost, and this coming Sunday, we're going to be um, remembering or celebrating Trinity Sunday, and uh, we'll be talking a little bit about the Trinity, uh, about the community uh, that of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and how it impacts us as a community of God as we reach out into the world to uh, proclaim the good news. And and so today I had uh, I was I was sitting uh, with breakfast with uh, one of our parishioners who is new to our congregation, and we're just sitting uh, getting to know each other, and we were talking about how God comes to us in different ways, you know, how, you know, sitting near the beach and all of a sudden you, and you see the immensity of the ocean and you, and you feel a sense of awe uh, about the ocean and, and our world and immediately you start to think about who the creator is and who, who creates this wonderful vast ocean and all the creatures that are in it. And, and then, so you, we were talking about how you, we might, uh, how we sense God out there in in the midst of nature, and then uh, she was also explaining that there's also she senses God in the midst of the the church sanctuary, right? And, you know, among, uh, amongst all of the the people that are praying, um, and then also the stained glass windows, the uh, the beautiful architecture of our of our building. All of this helps her to get into the into the frame of being open to the mystery of God and, and to being able to listen to the word of God. And I thought about that and I said, you know, that's exactly, that's true. I mean, wherever, wherever, whether it's out there, out on in the ocean uh, or back here with Marilyn going in and, and being an altar guild person, working on the altar guild stuff in the sanctuary uh, and taking care of the candles from behind us. Hi, Marilyn. <laughs> that's called a photobomb. Um, or whether we're in the sanctuary or out in nature, um, all, of which, all of which glorifies God and points us to an experience of God. And so uh, 
I wanted to talk, I, I, you know, I've been hearing a lot of things in the, in, lately about, um, about uh, Mars and, uh, and the rovers that are, that are on Mars, not only the U.S. Ro rovers, uh, but also uh, the Chinese rover that have, had just was uh, launched on there. Yeah, I was hearing about, um, I, and then lately there's been a, a lot of conversations about the UFOs. And so I thought this would be a great time to bring uh, one of our great theologically astrophysics-minded person uh, uh, on, on the show, and that is none other than our, our bishop, Bishop Nicely. And so Bishop Nicely is here today. Bishop, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Father? Good. So I'm going to throw all these questions at you. You're going to have to give me the answers to the universe. How's that? Uh, well, I'll, I'll give some of them. <laughs> some of them we probably are unknowable. Well, you know what, Bishop? I know that, uh, you know, whatever answer you give, it, it's always a thoughtful one and one that uh, you wrestle with. And, and because you're a thinking Christian, and that uh, really is important for, for us uh, who are searching for answers in the world. Um, so tell me. What do you think about this? Uh, what have you heard about this? These UFOs? Uh, what's the conversation on now? Well, how about this? Let's talk about Mars first, and then I'll get to the UFOs. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Mars. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, because I think they're they're connected, right? Um, yeah. We've been sending rovers to Mars since the Viking uh, landers in the 1970s, and then there's been you know opportunity and discovery. Um, now there is a there was a Russian landing on Mars that only lasted for two minutes back in the seventies when it was still the Soviet Union, uh, but now the Chinese have just announced under they didn't say they were even trying. I don't think they wanted to fail publicly. No, yeah. um, they they must have launched a year or a year and a half ago, and they've landed another rover smaller than our rover right now, but they have another rover on Mars and in uh, same plane. It turns out as our rover. Um, the reason we want to go look at Mars so much is because Mars, and, and why we're so interested to see, for instance, that Mars had water on it. So the key thing about life on Earth, wherever there's water on Earth, we find life. Yeah. Even in the weirdest, most surprising places, you can find a bubble of water in ancient ice in the Antarctic that is completely encapsulated by uh, ice. And there's life in it, you know, bacterial life, but there's life in it. You can find uh, at the very depths of the ocean trenches where there's water that, and there's sulfur plumes. It turns out instead of carbon-based life, there's sulfur-based life. Mm -hmm. Something about water, you know, it's the universal solvent, so it, it lets you try out a whole lot of different chemical bonds. But something about water seems to really mean that at least on Earth, wherever it is, there's going to be life. Yeah. We thought maybe there'd be water on Venus, but Venus is just much, much, much too hot. Carl Sagan pointed that out in the 70s with the runaway greenhouse effect. And so then you're looking at Mars or, or Europa uh, in, in the uh, Galilean satellites around Jupiter. But that's another that's another show. You can ask me about the Galilean satellites. Uh, Mars probably had water on it. Uh, we see landing the rovers on it that there are features that look like flow features and, and water erosion features. That's what we're not sure where the water went. There's a bunch of ideas about it, but the fact that there was water there means 
it's a good candidate for having life on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we keep sending these rovers. There's, you know, twofold. One, if there's water there, we might be able to put bases there. Um, they found water on the moon. That's really important because we'll be able to have moon bases uh, probably within a decade or so. Um, and same on Mars. But what we really are interested in, because Mars had an atmosphere and it's got a gravity and it has weather, if it might have at one time had some, or still have some kind of life form on it. Mm, yeah. uh, so the big question is, right, life on Earth is DNA based. Right. That's, that's how life sort of organizes itself and, and passes on information from one generation to another generation. If there's life on Mars, is it DNA based or not? Mm. If it's DNA based, well, then where did the DNA come from? Is it yeah. coming from the Earth? Is it coming from Mars originally to the Earth? Or is it coming from the galaxy somehow? And if there's DNA life on Mars and DNA life on Earth, well, then there's a bunch of theories that say it's actually coming from the galaxy, which means that life such as we know it could exist in other places in the galaxy. And that gets really interesting all of a sudden. Yeah, definitely. I, so, I mean, I, I love even this conversation about water, right? I mean, they say that water didn't exist on Earth in, initially. It was, you know, because we're formed. I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, didn't water come here? Wasn't it transported on through through uh, asteroids and, and, and well, such? Well, so, I mean, Earth was originally a, a, a conglomeration of asteroids in the period of, of cataclysmic clearing in the early solar system. But yeah. um, the latest, I, you know, this changes all the time as we're getting more data. But the latest, latest version I've heard is, you know, so... The Earth-Moon system, we're a double planet, really. The Earth-Moon system was created when the original uh, planet that uh, was in Earth's orbit was hit by something about the size of the moon. Mm. And, and sort of everything reconfigured itself. And one of the things that brought with it was a lot of uh, water. Uh, probably it was an icy planetesimal. Um, you know, icy planetesimals live out beyond the orbit of New uh, Neptune whereas rocky planetesimals live beyond the orbit of Mars, between Mars and Jupiter and the, and the asteroid belt. Those are rocky ones, mostly nickel iron. Uh, and the, the water-based ones are out past Neptune in the Kuiper belt. So if it had been that, that brought the water in. But, you know, uh, Europa on uh, that orbits uh, Jupiter, almost yeah. all water. In fact, it's got ice on the surface and we think liquid water underneath the surface. It's kind of like an ocean moon. It's the size of our moon. So it's a, it's a significant, it's not too much smaller than the planet Mercury. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, they're very careful every time they send a uh, probe to Jupiter to send it crashing into the planet because they don't want it accidentally crashing onto uh, one of the moons because there's probably bacteria on our probes and we don't want to contaminate uh, the possibility of life that would be on this other planet because we we want to find out is it DNA based is there a huge question uh, yeah that speaks to about whether and if there's DNA life there then well if there's DNA life in the galaxy well then all of a sudden it's getting really interesting that there yeah. might be other alien civilizations out there you know it, there's probably I'm sh I'm sure there's life out there but right. Life could mean as much as, uh, you know, like mushrooms or uh, single cell organisms 
that would be life. But if we're talking about life that is conscious and able to communicate with us, uh, alien intelligence, that's gets really interesting. It is interesting. I mean, but, and what's also for me also, it's interesting is that the idea that um, even these components of life that we have, like water, mm -hmm. may have actually come from somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's it's kind of this idea that you know, I mean, we deal with this understanding of the earth, and and part of it is that human history has thought for a long time it's always been here, you know, right? It's always been here. Life started here, and and it, and but to, to even understand the components of life coming from somewhere else means that 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 means that we're not the center of the universe, right? Well, I, I mean, if you want to make it even more interesting, everything you're made of, everything I'm made of, everything that makes up the plaster in the walls behind you comes from the center of an exploded star. Yeah. I mean, there there's at least one star, if not two stars, that went through their entire life cycle and broke apart, and we are constructed out of the fossil, out of the fossil remains of the dead star. Yeah, so you're not just stardust. You're, you're we're made of the of the dead remains of uh, earlier stars in the galaxy. You know, it's, you know, it's funny though, Bishop. I remember back in my last parish, I did this uh, this program um, about. Uh, the galaxy and the stars and the moon and, and so forth and 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 the whole idea about the Big Bang theory and we had this uh, this clip I think it was uh, you know of Google Earth and we sh we showed where we were in Mount Holly New Jersey you know uh, at St Andrew's Episcopal Church and then it panned out to um, you know the state and then the country and then the world and then all of a sudden we're we're moving light years from now and then all and it was really a jarring experience for some of the uh, the parishioners there. It was uh, it was interesting because all of a sudden they felt, they felt their sense of security was gone a little bit, or some of them did. No, I, it's a that's an old, a movie we used to show all the time. It's one of my first movies I showed when I was uh, teaching astronomy. It's called the Powers of Ten movie, and it does exactly what you're talking about. It zooms in and out by powers of 10 to one, show you what logarithms like, but also give you a sense of the scale in the universe. And, and you know, when you start doing that, you realize space is really big. It is. It's crazy big. It's uh, crazy big. Mind numbing big. Yeah. And, uh, the fact that we exist on this little ember of a dead star um, that has sort of rearranged itself to be teeming with life and structure and human intelligence. Um, and it's in the midst of this incredibly large universe that's ancient beyond our ability to understand and has a future that we do not fully, that we do not comprehend. Um, sometimes you just sort of sit up and look at the night sky and, and you feel both the smallness of it and also the intimacy that in the midst of this enormity, God knows us and loves us, and we're not alone. And that's, to me, the most extraordinary thing, that the, the intelligence and the creative urge that made all of this that we can barely comprehend knows us individually. Uh, and as Jesus says, calls us by name, knows the number of the hairs on our head. Yeah. 
you know, every now and then we pray, we do the Eucharistic prayer C, which is, you know, we, we in the Episcopal Church lovingly call it the Star Wars prayer, right? Mm -hmm. I, I know it isn't right, but there's this one uh, portion of it, and I love it when we all uh, read it, or I read it, and then uh, everyone responds. Uh, at your command, all things came to be, the vast expanse of interstellar space, galaxies, suns, the planets in their courses, and this fragile earth, our island home. And, and then the response is, by your will, they were created and have their being. And I just love that. It's a, it just helps us to almost evokes a sense of humility from our point of view. Mm -hmm. That Well, what, humility and pride, because... I mean, there's humility because we see where we are in the ladder of creation, yeah. in the order of reality, but pride in that God knows us yeah. um, and, and is in relationship with us in the midst of all that. Um, what is What are humans that thou art mindful of us? Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Amen. And so, all right, I did promise you, I did want to talk about UFOs. What have you heard about UFOs? So, so here's the thing, right? If, um, if there are alien life forms out there, we ought to be encountering them. And it, uh, is it I think it's Fermi who asked the question, and it's a fundamental question in um, physics and, and astrobiology, if there are alien beings, where are they? You should have seen them, right? They would have come to visit. Yeah. And if, if we knew there was life on other planets, we would have gone to visit. And and so why haven't they come to visit us? And that that's a huge question about where they've been. So there's been these rumors and stories about UFOs, and, and uh, I think they're now not calling them unidentified flying objects. They're calling them unknown aerial presences, UAPs, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, because that UFOs seems to get everyone thinking about spacecraft and things like that. And in UAP, it could be a military drone, that yeah. is a, a classified drone that we don't know about. But there had been releases in the last year of video from the Air Force and from Air Forces around the world that are showing these blurry objects moving at high speed and in ways that we can't understand uh, in the sky. and and. Uh, pilots, fighter pilots particularly, these are not people who usually talk about this stuff, are suddenly now appearing in print saying, yeah, there's a lot of them out there. And we see them regularly um, around airfields when we're taking off and landing. That now, it, you know, it could just be drones and that are doing surveillance on military planes, or it could be something else. And I think um, if you are a person who's interested in that, possibility of alien intelligence and, and human contact. It's, I, I have friends who are very interested in all that, and they're pretty excited about it. I think they, I, I've been reading a little bit about it, and they call it the, the day of disclosure. They're wondering if we haven't, in fact, been visited by aliens before, and, and this moment is going to be disclosed. Well, that's interesting. Well, it's interesting, and, and theologically, um, complicated because yeah. we're talking about the Bible makes claims about humankind and God knowing us. Does God know the aliens too? 
Um, does God like us better? Are we God's favorite? Um, do the aliens? And and so you know, I, I, I've done some reading on this, and and bless their hearts, the Roman Catholic Church actually has a pretty robust conversation, theological conversation about what the theological implications of extraterrestrial intelligent life would be. And there are questions about the original sin. Uh, we Something happened for us and we fell short of God's expectation. And Jesus had to come and, and show us the way to re repair that damage that had happened. Um, would an alien uh, civilization have the same experience? Did the entire universe fall, or is it just Earth-based life? Um, you know, uh, angels, depending which books you read, angels are perfect and didn't fall. Others talk about fallen angels in the Bible, and certainly the book of Enoch talks about angels that rebelled against God. So yeah. not just humans that rebel, but other parts of, of creation that are biblical rebel against God. Would that mean ancient or uh, other civilizations, if they exist, would they have rebelled? Um, uh, is, is heaven just for humans? Uh, which turns out theologically, it's a question every priest gets asked, right? If my puppy dies, is my puppy in heaven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I hope so. But, <laughs> you know, I, I think like part of what, uh, for me, you know, again, it's that uh, conversation with uh, that young lady I had this morning, and we're looking out at the ocean, and uh, we're sitting out there, we're drinking coffee, and we're looking at the ocean, and we're saying, wow, this points to something of God that is so immense and so powerful and mysterious, and it helps us to find a sense of humility as we approach it and learn it. And so even my sense is like, if I find that, if we find that, that there are other beings in distant, far, uh, far, far-flung areas of our galaxy and universe, my sense would be a sense of awe and saying, there goes, there goes another way to, that God is glorified because there's another pathway of creation, right. you know? I, I, no, I think that's probably going to be the case. And if, whether there are people we can talk to or not, uh, there's probably life of some form or another in other places of the, it, it would really just sort of stagger the imagination. Yeah. To think and, that we spontaneously arose here, but did not, life did not arise in any other place. And that, that's completely possible. And maybe it is that we are incredibly rare and valuable and precious. And if that's the case, then, you know, people who have, deep respect for all life forms, all Christians, um, there's something to be said for that religious stance that, you know, the miracle of a mosquito that yeah. is alive is, is so profound that how could we ever harm that that precious living thing? Uh, and so you you find yourself in a place where you, you don't want to harm anything that's well, alive. Well, the, 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 there is this whole, uh, idea also about being self-aware. I mean, I think, you know, what, what uh, the idea right. of humanity being able to, to look at the, this, the nature around us and say, this, what does it all mean? Instead of just, you know, eat, eat right. survive, and live to the next day, you know? But, uh, but I think we've gotten to the point um, scientifically, and I, I believe theologically, where we recognize that human consciousness 
isn't the only consciousness and isn't, you know, uh, certainly the great apes are conscious and, and can communicate. It appears that elephants have that capacity, killer whales, orcas, um, dolphins, um, dogs have a, their own language and way of communicating and, and you know, and, and there's, if you're really into speculation, there's the idea that consciousness emer is an emergent property out of a, a sort of uh, developmental complexity. And it could be said that the entire creation is conscious. Yeah. And, and there are theologians who've said that. And I think there's some scientists who played with the idea. It's hard to construct an experiment about it. So you can't really say it's an avenue of scientific inquiry but you can certainly say it's worthy of philosophical speculation. And I think theologically, it's certainly uh, worth thinking about. So yeah, the, the, the consciousness and, and, the, and the participation in, and kind of, I have to admit, I sort of imagine that consciousness is our participation in God's mind. Yeah. That it, it, it's the breath of God and the, the the being of God that permeates all creation, if in fact everything is um, conscious, that would fit with my understanding of what it is to be sort of embedded in the reality of God. So, and that's what, so that would be my, my, so that would be my way of helping me to understand other life forms, right? If I, mm. other life forms, even from outside, mm. yeah. is, I would love to just ask the question, how do you see the world? Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, this is, I'm sure we'll be asking lots of questions, but you're exactly right. Um, how do you perceive relationships? How do you perceive your connection to the creation in which you are placed? Um, and what can we learn from them? But you can say the same thing, you know, without alien civilizations, there are civilizations on earth that have different stories and different backgrounds, different religious views. There's things you can learn from speaking to indigenous people, from uh, the Aboriginal people in uh, Australia, the First Nations people in Canada, uh, people in the East, people you know, from India, yeah. who are uh, Hindu and, and have a completely different source. Of, but they have a different way of ordering their lives. And there's so much we as Christians can learn from that. Um, you know, it's funny that you're, you're, you're making me think about a movie I just saw. Uh, on Netflix, and it was about an octopus. It just won uh, mm -hmm. an Oscar or something for best documentary or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so Simi turned it on, and and she said, "Well, we should watch this." And I'm and I'm like, "Okay, do I really have to watch this?" Uh, yes, Simi, I'll watch it with you, right? But all of a sudden, it's a story about this man mm -hmm. who follows this octopus for about 342 days out of the year. And he develops this, and as he is watching and observing this, this creature, all of a sudden he notices things about, uh, and he starts, he actually calls her her, right? He notices yeah. her, things about her that uh, is, speaks to her curiosity, her passion, her joy of living. And by the time that she dies at the end of the movie, I'm in tears. Yeah. You know, and this, 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 it, it's this idea about really being empathizing with something other than ourselves and trying to to put ourselves in their shoes right. and and see the world from their perspective a little bit. And it's just really an interesting way of looking at it. Being in a relationship. And, and at one level, you 
I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, or Boston Lewis was uh, someone of that era, said that's the power of the gospel. The yeah. gospel is one of the first, the gospels as literature are some of the first written literature that gives us insight into the motivation and thoughts of another person. Yeah. And, and that that's in fact what the parables are doing for us. They're helping us to build empathy and compassion for someone other than ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good news. That's powerful. Because uh, it's, it has changed the course of human history. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And you know, the only thing I think, and we're almost done, but I, uh, or we could go over a little bit, but um, the thing about it is that I think, you know, with this, you know, this last year has been very traumatic for us, right? In terms of the global pandemic. Mm. And, and then I'm, and then you hear about these issues around these things around the UFOs and you hear about all sorts of things. And, and I've, and I've heard, a lot of people feeling there's a sense of anxiety around mm -hmm. them. You know, they're they're you know, the world is changing around them and their perception of the world is changing around them. And there's a sense of well, what's going to happen. And I, I'll tell you, some of some uh, folks that I know have said, well, is it the end of life as we know it? And, you know, and and truthfully, it is in, in a way, because our perception of the world is changing. And yeah, but it's changed this way. So for what it's worth, Father, um, and for the, anyone listening, look, this is a, what we're experiencing right now is compassion fatigue and burnout. And, and these are well understood, uh, well understood things. Um, and hypervigilance, anger, exhaustion, a desire to just retire and, and pull away from relationships. All it happens in floods, it happens in earthquakes, it happens in natural disasters, it happens in pandemics. Oh, pastorally, I'll, I'll talk, we're gonna have a renewal of vows with the clergy and I wanna to talk to the clergy about that because yeah. it's certainly, uh, you know, the clergy in the state have been working overtime and they're exhausted and the, everyone has great plans about what's gonna come next. I just wanna say that's all wonderful. Maybe you should just give yourself a break for the summer and uh, go sit by the ocean, drink coffee with friends and, and wonder about you know, the wave tops. And that would be a great way to spend the summer. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. Because there's always ending and it's always changing and there's always right. new things happening. And I think our capacity to deal with the rate of change has been diminished because of our experience in the pandemic. But I think that capacity can come back. We just have to allow ourselves to lie fallow for a bit and maybe just trust that god will the god is in the center of all of this yeah and and if it's the end of the world that's actually not something to be terrified of that's as christians that's really good news because that means jesus is coming and all the sin all the sin and all the brokenness is going to go away and he comes in love he doesn't come to condemn well, uh, Bishop, I just love having a conversation with you. I know that we moved from one topic to the other, but that that's what happens when I when we have an astrophysicist as a as a theologian <laughs> and as a bishop. So thank you for for being with us and uh, and helping us to engage in in our curious conversations. Well, um, always fun to be with you, and always fun to talk. And look, as I said, I look forward to being with you in person later this summer. That'd be great. Thank you, Bishop. All right.
Thank you. Just wonderful. Uh, again, uh, I hope I hope that conversation was wonderful for you because it was it was great for me. I uh, I always love talking to Bishop Nisley and uh, and hearing his words. Um, but let us now end our time in prayer. Uh, it, this is a, a prayer that was adapted from one written by Bishop Thomas Brown of Maine. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Jesus Christ, who traveled through towns and villages, curing every disease and illness. At your command, the sick were made well. Come to our aid now in the midst of the global spread of the coronavirus. Heal those who are sick with the virus. May they regain their strength and health through quality medical care. Heal us from our fear, which prevents nations from working together and neighbors from helping one another. Be present with those in authority who are making hard decisions. Support the medical professionals, emergency responders, counselors, and caregiving, caregivers. We ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Join with me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, go in peace to love and serve God. Spread the light of joy and hope to the world around you. The world needs it right now. Thanks for watching. Did you know that you can join Christ Church from anywhere in the world? If you're feeling connected to what we're doing, email us today at communicate at Christchurchwesterly.org.